University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkway. Visit ubc-br.org or at UBCBR on Facebook for more information. We'll take a look at the book of Romans, uh, chapter 12, verse 9. Now, one of the best films I'd seen in the last couple years is a movie called The Lost City of Z. It's a film based on the real story of Colonel Percy Fawcett, Um, in part, Uh, The character of Indiana Jones was based on the tales of Falset, and just for the record, that's now three consecutive Sundays in a row that I've managed to mention Indiana Jones. During Britain's age of exploration, Percy ventured on, on many trips to the Amazon, and on one of his first trips, he heard of this fabled city called Z, which was to be made of all gold in the middle of the jungle. For Percy, this became a journey that began in 1905, And he would do multiple adventures over the next 20 years, becoming an obsession as he sought to find this city of gold. On his final expedition in 1923, he took his eldest son with him. He started initially sending correspondence back to his wife in England. A few weeks into the trip, all of a sudden the correspondence stopped. In fact, Percy and his son were never heard of again. Distraught over his Over her husband and son's apparent death, his wife began to uh, commission and lobby for hundreds of men to go on several expeditions over the next couple of years to find them in the jungle, but they were never seen again. You know, sometimes as we walk this faith journey, it can feel like an adventure in which we get lost. Sometimes a lack of precise steps and obscurity can lead to frustration and confusion and miscues. But the journey to follow Jesus is not a shot in the dark. It's not a glorified guesstimation. Instead, it's it's an invitation for us to follow Christ together as we sense and follow the direction of the Spirit of God. And that's what we're trying to do through this 2020 vision. We are setting out to find where God is at work in us as a faith community and what God is calling us to. And oftentimes, it can be frustrating because we want precise steps. We want determined outcomes. But that's not always how God works. One of the particular facets of our uh, SGI, or Strategic Growth Initiative, is looking at our culture as, as uh, a culture of hospitality. And for this, we took a look at the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 9. Excuse me. Paul writes this Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. 
Do not repay evil to anyone for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, Paul is writing to a church who is facing raging indifference and conflict. They're facing persecution selectively with it where they are. And what is his invitation to them? It's an invitation to radical love, both personally and communally as a church. Love is the answer. Sincere love, genuine, not fake love, but love that goes deeper than beyond the surface of their lives. It's a love that gives allowance for hatred, but, but gives way to allowing hatred to turn into compassion. Paul tells them to cling to what is good. The Greek word used here literally means glue. He's saying that, that love is what binds your lives together in Christ. Love is what binds us together as a faith community. He says, uh, uh, honor one another above yourself. Honor, serve, raise someone else. Allow someone else's dreams to be lived out. Truly care for one another. You see, Paul's making it really complicated for us here because he's telling us specifically what it looks like to love one another. And then he says in verse 13, practice hospitality. The literal translation here is put to flight or, or pursue or hunt down and engage in love for the stranger, for the outsider, for the enemy. An actual Greek word here means immigrant. See, we're asking this community of indifference, a community facing outside people, people unfamiliar to them, and asking them to overcome all of these differences to be a people of love. Because that's what transforms lives, love. And what Paul is asking them to do here is so radical. He's inviting them to tap in to not the the, the well of compassion within their lives, but to tap into the well of God's love that God is pouring into their lives. The problem is, it's easy to love people who are like us. It's more difficult to love people who are different than us. One of my favorite stories in all the Gospels of Luke is, is the story of Jesus eating with the Pharisees. And during the meal, a woman of ill repute, the Gospel says, came into the town, came into this home, got down on her hands and knees, and began to wash Jesus' feet. And she's so overwhelmed by this moment that she begins to sob, and her tears are wetting Jesus' feet, and she starts to use her hair to clean Jesus' feet. But that's not where the story stops. Because it says the self-righteous Pharisees come to a boiling point, demanding that Jesus answers to his willingness to not only let this sinful woman be in his presence, but to let her touch his feet. You see, we quickly discovered that the Pharisees were in fact awful hosts to their guest. 
Because in this day and age, it would have been common for a host like the Pharisees to offer for Jesus' feet to be cleansed as he came into their home. And yet they're not worried about the most basic hospitality in their life. They're more concerned with what they perceive to be this awful, degenerate woman in their homes. And so Jesus asks them a question. He tells them a story. Two people owe a great debt. One, 500 days of wages. Another, 50 days of wages. Both debts are canceled. Who do you think will love the debt collector more? The answer is easy. See, Jesus turns to this woman. He affirms her humility. He transforms her with love. The church is like a circle of interconnected dots. And the dots are are people that make up the circles that form this community and the connectedness together. Now what happens in a community is that we become interwoven and connected with one another. It becomes this beautiful and healthy relationships. But sometimes and all too often, what ends up happening in this circle is this community becomes a place of exclusivity and interlocked relationships. In other words, we don't want you. You don't look like us, you don't believe like us, your journey is different from us, we don't want your issues, we don't want you in this place, you don't belong here. And so the community, the church, becomes an interlocked circle, it focuses on only each other and what's going on inside our little world that we don't realize that we have turned to a place of exclusion and judgment and self-righteousness and at worst hatred and bigotry. Exclusion thinks about walls rather than open doors. Exclusion thinks about creating archetypes of who is welcome, of what they should look like, of what they should sound like, or what they should believe like, or what they should act like. But the church is not called to be like this. The church is called to be a radical place of hospitality. Now, we've talked about this, that we live in a day and age in which 70% of Americans claim to be Christians, but 6,000 to 10,000 churches will die this year in America. We are seeing this rise within our world in which 62% of the American population identify themselves as post-Christian, as nuns. And it's not that people are abandoning their faith. They're abandoning the church because they don't see that churches are connecting what the words and way of Jesus are doing to the way that we actually practice our faith as a church community. A recent study found that 40% of people who attended worship felt a sense of belonging. And for some, it took six months to two years in order to feel welcome where they are. That means that nearly 60% of people who are visiting a church for the first time feel unwelcome and excluded. And what's cited for the reasons that people give of feeling unwelcome and excluded is because of how they were dressed or what they look like or what their families look like or what their partner looked like. Of course, there's the occasional interaction in which somebody informs somebody, you're going to have to get up because you're sitting in my seat. See, what our world is seeking right now is radical inclusion. People are not abandoning their faith. They're abandoning the church because the message from the church is not the message that we hear from Jesus in which Jesus opens his hearts and his minds and himself to all people. 
And the church has the profound opportunity to be Christ to the world. To start with hospitality, to start with genuine care. Going back to the circle illustration for a moment, the, the church community that creates a place of belonging, not exclusion and, and interlocked, but it's an inclusive and open community that allows people who need refuge, who need renewal, who need perspective to be able to come inside. Instead of a whole circle looking inward at itself, it becomes a community that is deeply bonded together and is open and outwardly looking while it also inwardly cares for one another. You see, this is the call of the church to form community, to care for each other, to look beyond themselves, and and to create a place of belonging for all people who are desiring to discover the love of God. And it's because the community is fracturing on so many different levels that it's absolutely vital that the church become a place in which people can find belonging and home where they can discover the radiant arms of God's love. Now back in 2010, when we were sensing a call to start a church, we worked with six other people and we weren't really sure what this church would take shape, but we knew we were being called to create a place of authentic community for all people. And so we began to put this statement together to try to formulate what we were trying to do as a church. We wrote, we are experiencing our brokenness that's being made whole by the love of Jesus. You see, we believe in the generous and indescribable love of God. God loves us no matter who we are, where we are on life's journey, and what our brokenness looks like. We believe that Jesus showed the radical love by the way that he persistently broke bread with the so-called sinners of his day, touched the lives of the sick, and healed the lives of the broken. This is the beautiful work of God's radical love. So therefore, with compassionate hospitality, we extend a special welcome to those who feel like they're screw-ups, and those who don't see their own flaws, the round and the super skinny, the rich and the poor, the middle class, the tattooed, the pierced, the self-righteous and self-loathing, the homeless, the soccer moms, the antithesis of soccer moms, NASCAR-loving people, and those who don't know what a stock car is. If you have crying newborn babies, a broken heart, or if you're in need of a safe place, you are welcome here. We offer a special welcome to those who could need a prayer right now, has had religion shoved down their throat since they were a child or got lost in traffic and wound up here by mistake. We welcome tourists, seekers, doubters, and bleeding hearts. Yes, you, with the generous love of God, you are welcome here. You see, I think for some, as we think of this as a radical statement, I wonder, as we think about this idea that all people should be welcome in the church, whether that be by gender or race or ethnicity or political affiliation or sexuality or other identities. You see, I think at the root of our fear and exclusion of other people is a lack of understanding and belief in God's inclusive love for you. You see, I think it's impossible for us to be a person of hospitality, to be a person welcome to all people Because we truly don't believe at the heart of who we are as an individual that we, despite who we are, are welcome in the presence of God. Do you see God loving you in the way that Paul describes in Romans 12? Do you see God loving you sincerely with goodness and devotion 
and zealous joy and patience and faithfulness and a blessing? Have you experienced God's love in your life? Do you feel included in Christ? And if we believe that God loves us inclusively, then, and with no buts, we love other people with the same abundant love. Somewhere around the turn of the 5th century, a young man was kidnapped by raiders and taken to uh, live in the colonies of Britain. At the age of 14, he was ripped away from everything he ever knew and was forced into unimaginable labor. And years later, the boy was reflecting on his journey um, that God came to him in a dream and told him to escape down the coastline, and he was told a sailor would be waiting there to take him home. And at the dead of night, this young man went out of the home, walked nearly 200 miles, and found a person waiting exactly as God told him he would be. And after six years of captivity, Kilpatrick was home. But not long after he was home, he had another dream in which someone from Ireland was begging him to come back and to walk among them. And so Kilpatrick began his studies as a priest. He trained for 15 years, and finally he went back to the island of Ireland and slowly but surely began to lead people to Christ. Along with these other priests, they established communities after communities in which they would interact with the people of the community in the marketplaces, eating food and drinking at the tavern, and slowly letting their presence made known. And again and again, the people in the existing towns would come to Kilpatrick's community. They would find refuge and love and food, and their community helped transform people one by one in the name of God. As St. Patrick, as you would know him, would go on to write, I certainly can believe that this is the gift of God, that I am what I am. And so I dwell among those who do not believe out of the love of God. You see, we as a faith community, we're trying to leverage a culture of hospitality here. And the first way we've been intentional with this is by the way that we experience our Sunday mornings together. We gather at 9 o'clock for spiritual formation groups. These small groups are intended to be um, open spaces of hospitality in which people can come and talk about what's going on in their lives, be shaped and formed by the Word of God to pray with one another. For the last 16 months, we've been doing this thing called Coffee and Community Time, which serves as a bridge to foster the community that sometimes can be exclusive in our spiritual formation groups. And so we gather to intermingle as a church and allow guests to come and experience our relationships with one another. We're trying to rethink how we encounter people that entrust and are willing to come in this space on Sunday morning. Experts say that within 10 seconds to two minutes, somebody will decide whether or not they're coming back to a church or not. So before somebody actually hears the choir stand up and sing, before they hear me preach for probably too much time, Before the dynamics of our church community can be experienced, a guest decides whether or not they're coming back here. No pressure, right? It maybe helps us think about how we're interacting with people, how we're caring for people, how we're following up with people. See, we invite you to not depend on our deacons or our greeters to be the presence of Christ to people as they come in, but go and be yourself 
to someone, share your story, share their story. Talk to them about why you are here. For example, we we encourage you to take somebody out to lunch afterwards if they come on a Sunday morning. And we'll reimburse you for that meal. Now, you can't go to Sullivan's Steakhouse and expect to come back with a check for $200, but take them to Albasha Express and we'll reimburse you for a $40 check. You see, this culture of hospitality, it, it becomes who we are as we care for nurture people, not just on Sunday morning, but in every facet of our ministries. As one author wrote, hospitality means primarily the creation of free space where strangers can enter and become friend instead of enemy. Enemy. Hospitality is not to change people, but offers them space where, they can, where real change can take place. It's not to bring men and women over to our side, but to offer freedom not disturbed by dividing lines. One of the ways that we're trying to be a community of hospitality is through our connect groups, these like interest groups that are intended to be um, spaces in which we can gather in the community, not to pray, not to read scripture, but to gather together around common interests to enjoy life together. Connect groups should be a radical place where someone should feel the inclusion of our church because they experience our friendship and our grace and our joy. And the same sentiment, it rolls over into our Family Tree Cafe, this extraordinary space offered four days a week for parents from a variety of backgrounds to bring their children to a clean and climate control space with free coffee and Wi-Fi. Did you know that in the last 18 months, over 225 families have come through the cafe? Stop and think about that. That is more people coming to a free playground space than any other ministry of our church, including Sunday morning worship. And yet we spend so much time spinning our wheels, wondering how we can reach people, and people are actually coming to us. So how does that enhance our care for them? As of right now, the last nine months, Beth Strange has dedicated every Monday of her week to coming and sitting in the cafe for three hours to simply love on parents and their children while they're here. We need somebody on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, Jesus tells us this extraordinary parable. He says that at the end of all things, God is going to bring all people unto himself, and he's going to create two sections of people. And to the first group, he says, come into the fullness of my eternal kingdom, and here is why. I came to you as a person in hunger, and you gave me something to eat. At other times, I came to you as a person thirsty for true life, and you gave me something to drink. I came to you as a foreign stranger, and you welcomed me in as family. I came to you as a person who made awful mistakes, and you treated me with compassion. But the people given such high praise from God are perplexed and want to know when they saw God in such ways, and God will respond to them, whatever you did for the least of our society, you have done for me. I've always found it fascinating that Jesus did not say to these people that are welcome into eternal kingdom of life because they had perfect worship attendance, because they had all the commandments memorized, because they tithed the proper amount or knew all the right religious lingo. Instead, what Jesus affirms in them was their willingness to take on the radical way with words 
and ways in the ministry of Jesus, putting them into action by the way that they shared his life through their life. What Jesus affirms in them was the way that they loved God with all of their heart and mind and soul and strength by the way they authentically and inclusively loved their neighbors. You see, as we consider our interaction on Sunday morning, as we consider things like our Connect Group and our Family Tree Cafe, what we need to begin to realize about Paul's words to the Romans is that what we do as a community should be a natural outpouring of our individual lives. Every day, you and I have the unique and extraordinary opportunity to live out the love of Jesus in radically inclusive ways. One of the challenges that we have in our life is that we simply don't create margins in our life to be Christ to other people. Because we have no space for leisure, no place for rest, no place for family, no place for health, no place for God, let alone a place and time and a moment in our lives in which we can be our neighbor and a co-worker and a friend and love a stranger. So my challenge to you from our text this morning is to create space in your life to be the presence of Christ. My prayer for you this morning is that we open ourselves up to the radical love of God, that we might experience it so that we can go forth with the invitation to be Christ's light and love in our world.